0: Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. This is episode three and I'm recording the intro in Orlando, Florida. I've just arrived for the 2016 Global Scrum Gathering. Uh, the podcast today is going to feature an interview with Lisa Atkins, who is going to be presenting at the gathering and also be, she will be a part of the, the closing keynote on the final day on Wednesday. So if you're coming to the gathering, I would definitely recommend that you check out Lisa's sessions. And if you're going to go, make sure you go early because they do fill up and you might not get in. Um, You should be able to get into the final keynote no matter what, but definitely the sessions she's running during the conference itself are going to be very rewarding, and I would highly recommend that you check them out. The podcast today is going to focus primarily on the issue of coaching burnout. It's a topic that became very present for me back when I was coaching, but also it sort of resurfaced about a year ago when I was talking with a friend of mine who's a coach and just everything he was saying, it became very apparent that the guy was pretty crisp and he needed a way to try to recover. So Lisa and I have a conversation about what, how you recognize burnout, what kind of things you can do to recover from it. So hopefully, whether you're a coach or you're somebody who is just moving towards a better state of performing agile um, and is experiencing frustrations along the way, hopefully you'll get some value out of this. And if you're at the gathering and you've got nothing to do on Monday afternoon, I'm going to be running a session called PMP Rehab, where I will be introducing a brand new version of the personal agility canvas and that's a tool that i created to try to help people who are struggling with getting their heads around agile moving past the basic practices or even simply just trying to figure out as one guy said how not to feel stupid in a room full of agile people the tool will help you come up with a better assessment of what's actually going on do some goal setting and come up with an action plan that you can use to get better at being somebody who is moving out of the waterfall and into a more agile state and before we get started i do want to thank projects at work for being a sponsor of drunken pm radio Projects at Work is an online community of practitioners and thought leaders who are breaking down barriers and building bridges to better manage projects, programs, portfolios, and teams. You can learn more at ProjectsAtWork.com. And now, on to the interview. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the interview. Uh, I am... Today, I'm joined by Lisa Atkins, and I'm super nervous, and I always get nervous when I interview her, so I'll probably <laughs> calm down in a minute, um, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time out, and, and I'm very excited to get to talk to you again, so thank you very much.
1: You are more than welcome. Let's just be nervous together, shall I-
0: yeah, I figure it's just better to put it out there because I yeah,
1: don't have to worry is. about it. It's so hilarious. I and mean, that That's actually a coaching skill called clearing, believe it or not. It's like because the theory is once you clear something, once you say it, then it doesn't haunt you and then it actually doesn't happen.
0: Okay. Well, I'm still nervous, but hopefully it will get better. <laughs> and, I, and so and I, I think part of why I'm nervous is because in my interactions with you, whether it's been in sessions or when we've done interviews in the past – and I walk into it knowing this is going to happen. But, but part of what you do is you challenge people. And, and I'm walking in like knowing something's going to happen and I'm going to be like, ah, there I am in an uncomfortable position. And that's a good thing because it means I'm learning. But that's part of it. And so that's, I think, why I get a little bit. I'm going to be maybe in uncomfortable zones at times. Okay, Which cool. Which I think is – I don't know if that's something you intend to do, but it may, probably no. not that way, but –
1: it's probably not intentional, but I also don't like pussyfooting around stuff. You know, I, life is too short. So, um, so here's the deal. Um, let me count on you to hold your own boundary. Okay. And if I get close to your boundary, how will you let me know?
0: Actually, well, I probably won't. I would probably because I'm walking into this saying I'm going to just drop my boundary and just let it go.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, that's, then that's my
0: choice. Fine.
1: So cool. I
0: take responsibility for that.
1: All right. Great. Awesome. So. I love that. And. <laughs> And I'm, you know, I'm not going to be like a wild, you know, crazy woman or anything. So I'll I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be be connected with you at level two listening, which is one of the things we teach our people in our classes. And so I'll notice if something's over there, probably, and so what is
0: that? So let's just start out before we get into the actual topic. What is level two listening?
1: (laughs) So level two listening is called focused listening or hardwired listening. It's where imagine that you've got like a hard wire connection between you and the person you're listening to. Okay, And it's the first level at which professional coaching skills become possible because it's the first level at which you're listening to be of service to the other person. So even when I'm doing an interview like this where it's really not, I, I'm not here to be of service to you in a coaching capacity, I just can't help but listen that way now because I pick up so much more information. Um, and I guess in a certain way, I'm always wanting to be of service to people. I, I never want to run people over or take them further than they're able to go. So
0: Notice you- I-
1: notice I said able, not necessarily, you know, comfortable.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. But you just, I want to go back to one thing. You just said that you, you listen to everybody that way. Does that mean that when you're not at work, like when you're with your family, you're listening with that same level of attentiveness?
1: Yeah, I am. I am now not always, Okay. not always. Right. Um, but, uh, more often than not. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so one thing that, that I notice, like when I'm doing interviews, I listen differently than I do when I'm trying to coach someone. When I'm huh. coaching someone, it is very – I'm constantly focused on, okay, what can I do? How can I help? When I'm interviewing somebody, it's where can I drag this? Where should it go next? Like where's uh, the leap? Uh-huh. Sure. Is that is that the same type of listening or are those just internal monologues that are distracting me from actually being mindful about what's going on?
1: Well, you have, you have a different role as an interviewer. So what you're doing as an interview sounds perfectly appropriate for interviewing.
0: Okay. All right. Cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, so just because we use coaching skills in the agile community doesn't mean we are coaches. We're far from being professional coaches. Um, But those coaching skills can be useful and they don't have to be on all the time. I mean, that's only one of four essential skill sets that we've been teaching people. The other three being facilitation, mentoring, and teaching. Okay. So all three, four very different things and all useful.
0: So you just said you can, you can provide coaching without being a professional coach. How do you differentiate the two?
1: So um, if we were being straight-up professional coaches, we would be bound by the ethics of that profession. And the main point of ethics there is that only the client's agenda leads the conversation. Only the client's agenda, the other person's agenda. Okay. So in the Agile world, um, we use professional coaching skills, and then at some point, our agenda as Agile coaches can come into it as well because sometimes we do know um, a way to go. Sometimes there is a black-and-white answer. And so if I were just using professional coaching skills with someone, I wouldn't even offer that. Um, And so that's why we don't really go all the way. So it's
0: almost like a therapist kind of – interacting with someone in the sense that it's, it's totally about them you're just reflecting things back or helping them see things better.
1: Yeah. It's, it's similar um, to that. Um, Not so much like a therapist or reflecting things back, although that is a skill Um, more like uh, pointing different directions for people to look and uncover things.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I like that. Okay. So, so one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is what's going on with the coaching institute.
1: I guess the big thing going on with Agile Coaching Institute is that there's big things going on. There's the whole Agile Coaching curriculum, which is now complete and has a a really meaningful certification pathway where people actually have to develop skill and submit um, videos and audios of themselves doing those four skill sets I mentioned earlier and getting assessed on them against a known set of competencies like, woo, that's like a, a shocker in our community. I love it. It's what I've been going for for the last six years, and it's finally here.
0: So you mean video with actual clients? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, like live and in the wild.
0: That's a lot in of trust. Real
1: life Situations. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: cool. Okay.
1: It's really cool. Um, and um, and in the meantime, uh, you guys, you've probably noticed. I certainly have, is that the bottleneck has moved. <laughs> You know, teams are not necessarily the slowest part of the system anymore or the biggest uh, glass ceiling to agile uh, adoption moving throughout the organization. That seems to have moved to middle management. So, um, So Agile Coaching Institute is also creating a whole curriculum for middle managers like we have for agile coaches. And that's happened really organically as we've been in organizations helping them develop their agile coaching capability, and they're like, can you do the same thing with our managers?
0: <laughs> so so can we talk about that part for a second? Yeah, sure. So what I saw sort of seen evolve was first it was let's work on the teams and then the teams would say, well, executives don't get it. So now executives have coaches. And then there is that that center portion of the company between middle management and the PMO that becomes like a compressed disc in your spine that just yeah, waits to rupture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I have a lot of empathy for, for middle managers.
0: And many people would agree that they need coaching, but I don't know if middle management's always willing to agree that they need coaching. Well, but
1: here's so here's the deal: middle managers need to know completely different things than we agilists have been trying to teach them for the last ten years that agile's been around. Okay, and it and it took uh, Michael Spade and Michael Hammond at Agile Coaching Institute more than a year of working with our um, our corporate clients. To create a class that actually speaks to middle managers without making it too simplistic, but also and but also without um, without accommodating all the dysfunctions that exist in organizations and the way that that role wants to be wants to happen in many organizations. So, in other words, having a st- having a stake and a point of view, like just like we do for agile coaches. Hey, right. agile managers, here's what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to be this. You need to know this. Right, having a stake and a very clear point of view there, um, but also making it practical for them, like really practical. So we finally hit on it and we've been teaching that class publicly now for about a year. And um, we just taught, we taught a sold out class in Dallas last week. It's going really well. Cool. So, so- yeah, so that they do want to come. I mean, they absolutely want to come. In the first five minutes of the class, middle managers are, are sharing with each other, like, you know, how they're basically completely disenfranchised in the whole Agile thing.
0: Yeah, they're lost.
1: Yeah, and like they don't know what to do. They get pressure from the top, and the pressure from the top looks like make Agile work, and the pressure from the bottom looks like leave us alone. Okay, (laughs) so, you know.
0: And somewhere in there the PMO is asking for a Gantt chart.
1: Yeah, right, right. I mean, so like, and then, of course, you know, all of us individually are on our own paths of becoming more and more complex and evolved human beings which means more and more being able to let go of our illusion of control um, and release ourselves into the openness of working with what is. And so, you know, those managers are on that whole trek too. You know, some of them are further along in the trail than the others, but they're all on the same road.
0: Uh, Am I correct in assuming that the cultural change is the harder part for them, for anybody really, but specifically in that, In that environment, the shift in the value system, the shift in where you're going to feel safe and where you're going to let yourself feel nervous, the Mm -hmm. the risks you're going to take.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, um, there's no doubt that Agile causes identity crises for people. I mean, that's really not an overstatement. I've seen it again and again, that people lose their sense of what they thought made them worthy, and they have to find a new sense of that.
0: And do you think so when we started you asked me about you know setting my own kind of boundary thing do you do you find that there is a limit um to the amount of change that people are able to to handle at one time and and if so is that something that they're able to figure out ahead of time or is it they they realize the limit was there after it's been crushed
1: So I guess the good news, bad news of this is that none of us know where the boundaries are until we run smack into them. Okay. And so there's this really wonderful model called edge theory of change. And so just basically imagine, um, you know, like a carrot, C-A-R-A-T, you know, like that little house on top of some of the letters in other languages.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And what's really normal is that someone will cross the edge into the agile way of doing things, and then someone will come like the PMO asking for a Gantt chart, and they'll go, whoop, right back over to the other side. Right. Right? So the the way we teach our students to work with that is to not be upset with them. Instead, just to go, oh, okay, they just zigzagged over the edge. That's totally normal. And to go be with them and help them find out what happened. And what they're going to do when faced with this kind of pressure in the future, because it's not actually about solving this one issue about this PMO wanting a Gantt chart. It's about this person knowing how they're going to respond when the pressure from the old way of working starts to churn, and yet they want to be in the new way of working.
0: Okay. And so when you say respond, you mean how they become aware of what they're feeling mm-hmm. and aware mm-hmm. of their internal reactions and what things they can put in place to, as coping mechanisms?
1: Yep. 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 And this is where the professional coaching skills, when the, when the agile coach puts that professional coaching hat on, that's when this one really kicks in. Because that's the best skill set for peeping, helping people do that internal um, investigation. Okay. You know, like, like, what does happen for me when the PMO comes and asks for the Gantt chart?
0: So, So that's yeah. a really good segue into the thing I was going to ask you about. And I do want to come back to the, uh, the stuff that you guys are doing with the Institute, but since we're on this topic, yeah, um, there's a coach that I work with and several months ago we were on a morning call and just the sound in his voice, the things he was saying, the way he was talking about the client, all I could hear was this guy is burnt beyond recognition. Mm -hmm. We've got to pull him out. He needs a break. He needs to be away from this client. He needs somebody Mm -hmm. to like make him feel better. Um, and mm-hmm. and I didn't really know how to address that, or or yeah. what to do. What yeah. do you guys do yeah, yeah. with burnout coaches, or how do you find you know, how do you help them?
1: Well, this is a hard one, right? Because as Agile has crossed the chasm, Agile is being implied in, organiz- in organizational environments that aren't set up for it. Yeah, and so um, so I think I think I am seeing burnout more on the rise now than I have before with Agile coaches and um and so, one of the things that we tell them in these situations is, um you got to find out if you're on a path with heart. Michael Spade said this in his session in agile twenty fifteen last year, and it's really resonated and stuck with all of us at agile Coaching Institute, like this idea of are you on a path with heart? So can you be satisfied with what you're able to do with this organization, with these people right now? Can you find? your sense of worth and value in what is trying to happen here versus what you really want to have happen here. And if so, then you might be on a path with heart and it might be okay. But if you're not on a path with heart, you're probably going to get burned out pretty quick because it's going to be like that old, you know, moral of Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill and then it rolls right back down. And then tomorrow have got to roll this boulder up the hill and it rolls right back down. That can get nauseating.
0: So can I say that back and see if, I, if I'm if I totally getting it? Mm-hmm. Um, so part of what I think a lot of people do or what I've seen, I know what I've done in coaching, is I walk in and I, I see what's there and I know what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. and And to try to make it into what I want it to be mm-hmm. is not something that I think is a healthy way to go. I think a really strong coach would just let the thing, or I guess the way it is in my head, a really strong coach would just help it become whatever it wants to become. But I think that somewhere in the middle is probably more of a reality. And it sounded to me like what you were just saying is if, if I'm able to let it become or help it become whatever it's going to become, that finding the heart in that would be, or for me, is, is where that seems to be headed. Does it include something that I'm going to be able to walk away from this feeling? Like I have done something valuable. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have, um, we have a couple agile coaches in our first competency cohort, which is the, um, the certification program I mentioned to you, where they build real skill and, and they work in government and, um, And one of the other coaches was asking them, oh, my gosh, you know, like, how do you do it? I get frustrated with Fortune 100 companies. I don't know how in the world you're you're trying to be surviving, trying to do agile in government. And uh, some of the responses were really beautiful. Uh, One of the guys said, you know, I know that I'm not going to be able to turn that ship. And so I don't worry about it. What I worry about is helping the people I can help on the ground have better work lives. And I feel really satisfied in doing that work. I feel grateful when I do that work.
0: That's awesome.
1: So, you know, it's just, I would ask each Agile coach out there to check their own ambition. Check your own ambition. Who's it for? So... uh If you have a lot of ambition on their behalf and they're not going with you, you might get tired real fast.
0: But that's a a hard thing, too. And I've been in the same situation this guy was in where it's like you keep telling – it's the same thing. It's like talking to a child who just won't listen sometimes. You're like, (laughs) don't put your hand in the blender. Don't put your hand in the blender. (laughs) And they just keep saying, I'm different. You don't understand. And you keep getting more bandages. Um, But so – Does that mean that maybe at a certain point you've got to realize either I've got to change my own personal goals for this situation or I've got to walk away?
1: Yes, that's exactly what it means. Okay. That's exactly what it means. And so let's think about this for just a moment. If all the situations that agile coaches were in, where where they're finding out they're not on a path with heart, they really need to walk away. If they walked away from those situations, from those organizations that are actually on life support and starting to die, and they put their attention toward organizations that could use and love what we have, wouldn't that be better?
0: I think I think you could say yes and you, I could say no to that. I think yes because we, it's sort of a natural selection thing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's a part of me that says the ones that called you in that aren't listening, that, I mean, they're the ones that need you the most and maybe they are on life support and maybe a lot of them are going to die. I guess I I tend to look at it like you're just throwing seeds on the ground and you never know when something's going to grow from those seeds. I've been in situations. So that's cool. Okay.
1: So that's the way you find your satisfaction and that's so totally cool.
0: Okay. But everybody's going to be different there.
1: Yeah, Totally. So how I do mean, you I develop that awareness? Of, well, I think a lot of the work right now is to hospice the death of old systems. This is something that Lynn <laughs> Twist said in her book, The Soul of Money. She said, "Our the challenging task of our time is to hospice the death of old systems. And so, um, so actually, I can find a lot of satisfaction in doing that inside of organizations.
0: That's really poetic. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's sessions at the PMI conference about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, but that, and that's not, I mean, I know you don't meet it in a, in a, the way that I'm being jaded about it, but that it's helping the people that can helping the good come out of that, whatever good can bloom. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And if, and if, um, and if you find in your own soul searching that you have more ambition for the organizational system than they're willing to go with you on, Then it's going to be a long uphill battle rolling that boulder up the hill.
0: Okay. So when you're working with people, I mean, you work with a lot of different people and, and a lot of different people that want to be coaches, and is it fair to say that there are many times when you are trying to help them to whatever place they need to be at and they're just... It's sort of like you're you're holding out your hand and they're just not taking it over and over again.
1: Uh, it- well, I used to find that was true more okay. often than not. Um, and then I think what's happened is the more that I've developed my own skill in professional coaching, the more I just it, that might still be true, but I just work with it so differently now that it that it works out. You know, so there's kind of the old style way of. Well, if they're not going to make this leap to agile, we'll vote them off the island somehow, and that's still always available to us. But what I've found more often is when I meet someone's resistance or confusion with curiosity with genuine curiosity and um, and just walk beside them as in my curiosity invoking their curiosity, we can usually find the way past that that Place where I keep offering them something and they keep saying yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Okay. And, and if, if we get to the point where they still say yes, but after all that, you know, all those other skills, I'll say, okay, so here's the deal. Um, Agile is in your environment, whether or not you like it. And as I'm trying to help you, I keep getting a lot of yes, but. So what I want to do right now is just set aside the fact that you don't like Agile Let's just pick it up over here, put it off to the side. We're going to come back to it in a minute. In the meantime, we got to figure out how we're going to work together while you don't like this.
0: Okay. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Because it's not okay for people who are resistant or confused or whatever. It's not okay for them to negatively impact the team or the release train or the whatever that they're involved in. Yeah. Right. So so they have to be able to you have so you, those are re, these are really separable things.
0: And you've got to help them see that that's what their reactions may be doing.
1: That's right. And and be able to challenge them while not being challenging.
0: Okay. So that c- yeah, sense? take take the paint, like, yeah, it totally does, especially with the thing about setting it aside. Yeah. Um but still not an easy I mean what you're doing is creating more mindfulness in people or helping them find oh, more mindfulness.
1: Totally. Well, that's the essential job of our, of our age, I think, is helping people become more a choice about everything, about everything. Um, and basically, that's the evolution path of human consciousness right now. And I really believe that agile coaches are agents of human evolution when they get the kind of skills that you and I have been talking about.
0: So how do they go about doing that? I mean, you've got this program where you're going into organizations and helping them develop that component internally. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, how does that work? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So how it works is by practicing what we preach. So when we go into an organization, um, we're typically working with the transformation leaders or something like that, you know, the people in charge of the agile transformation in some way. And we first help them see what's happening in their transformation more holistically through a couple of different models that we offer them, one being the integral Agile model, which has them look through four different perspectives at what's going on. And so they often get some insights from that. And the reason we start there is that there is no sense trying to develop an Agile coaching capability that doesn't match what's happening in the transformation on the ground in that organization. So we want to understand that first. And we want to help the client understand that first. So it's there's a certain there's certainly a consulting component to it because we know all these models and we know these different ways of thinking about things. But the, those models and those ways of thinking about things are just doorways to a coaching conversation, to a professional coaching conversation with the client. Okay. If that makes
0: sense. It does. I want to ask you about the thing about the, with the coaching and not developing the capability that's beyond what they're doing from a transformation standpoint. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit more?
1: Well, I don't know if I'd say it's not beyond their where they what they're doing from a transformation standpoint. I mean, so certainly developing a coaching capability is going to be matched with some type of aspiration or vision the organization has for what they want to do through agile. Okay. Yeah. Um and at the same time, what's happening on the ground informs the strategy or the approach that the organization might take to develop agile coaches.
0: Okay. So you, so it's, it's coaching capability that is in sync with where they seem to be headed or where they're aiming That's to right. get to. And That's let, right. Not saying, I'm going to learn to play hockey, so I'm going to go, street hockey, so I'm going to go become a professional hockey coach so I can help myself be a better street hockey player.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And not coming in with a, you know, like a one size fits all model and saying, okay, you know, you know, some book out there says you have to develop internal agile coaching capability. Boom. Here's how you do it. Okay. Because that would be such a waste of their resources and their precious talent. Yeah. You know, their money and their time and their talent. And so, um, yeah, so it's really, um, what, what informs us, is really our professional coaching stance. And so okay. everyone doing this work um, that are partnered with me on this work are informed by you know our belief that the organization is doing exactly what it needs to do. And who are we to come in and tell it that it has to be this or it has to be that? We want to find out what's actually trying to happen and see if we can have a feeling of being ethical and feeling of being of service and helping that thing happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do you find the coaches when you're in an organization? Are they just like selected by the company and sent down to you or do you guys have to go help source them?
1: It's it's kind of both. So usually the transformation leader, it's like a director or a vice president of some organization typically. So they'll have some ideas. Okay. Because uh, as soon as you start talking, they're like, oh yeah, here's my A team. I mean like they know, Right.
0: But do they – okay, so do they really know or are they like, here's the A-team and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work and that's not going to work?
1: But see, what? Dave, it's all workable.
0: Yeah, I guess you probably never say that. I would say that.
1: <laughs> I mean very, yeah. very rarely, very rarely is someone truly not workable and okay. I can't even remember the last time I ran into it.
0: Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> so, so you get I, – I, I guess I have to discount for the fact that I'm a little – I'm much more jaded than you are. Um, but – you, you get whoever they, whoever they think they will be a good fit. And then I'm, yeah. I'm assuming you guys find some along the way as well. Does that happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, what happens is they end up getting sent to us. So okay. we don't – Agile Coaching Institute doesn't provide all of the services in helping someone develop their internal agile coaching capability. We provide kind of the strategy um, help there and, um, and the coaching development pathway. You know, the classes and that competence cohort I mentioned before. Um, You know, but there are other people in the system like, you know, there could be external consultant coaches on the ground. And those are people who are mentoring some of the scrum masters or the Kanban leads that have been through our recent agile facilitator course or something like that. And so all of this stuff is happening in partnership.
0: Okay. So you and you're working well, yeah with those guys obviously too to get mm-hmm. things on the same page. Yeah,
1: and so when we do these classes, people, you know, the organization Ballin Tells these people to come to these classes or people volunteer, which is actually what we recommend. Um and um and there's some real gems that show up.
0: Yeah. Gems in it. You mean gems in it? A- <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, I can never tell if you're being sarcastic or serious. No, not at
1: all, (laughs) not at all, not at all. I mean, so what what I think I'm seeing, um, as Agile has crossed the chasm more often than not, my work is turning toward helping the scrum masters and Agile coaches know that things like helping the product owner be a really good product owner is actually part of their job. And it's not off limits because it's in some other organization. Like in the early days of Agile, Scrum Masters would just go anywhere. Like, we are Scrum Masters. We are (laughs) supposed to be defending the goodness of Agile. And that was really useful. Of course, it could get overblown too. But it was really useful in a way of like breaking down some of these really calcified structures. And now Agile is trying to be done within those calcified structures. So... um, so it's like it's fascinating to me that my work is is like working with these folks and saying, no, 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 really, you can go over there and talk to the product owner. So In you're fact, helping fact you them need to. find
0: their courage to yeah. to ignore the system when they need to a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which I think is great. Um, and and that's a really hard thing. I mean, they've been taught, you oh, know, don't huge. think so much; just do what we tell you.
1: It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, how? That's
0: So if you, when you get people that are like, let's say you go into an org and you get somebody like this guy's going to be a great coach and he is really crisp, really burned out. Mm. um, How do you, what kind of advice do you offer them to kind of regain their footing? I mean, is it really just finding their heart in the, in the path or is it, is there other, are there other coping things that you would typically recommend?
1: Um, Who knows? It could be any number of things, but I'll tell you what I do for myself. Okay. And so I, I recommend these things to other people when I see that they're burned out. There are a couple um, books and other things that I just love, absolutely love. Um, one of them is called Perseverance by Meg Wheatley. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's such an amazing book. Basically, it's these little uh, like two-page um, like vignettes on what it means to be a change agent in the world and how you keep yourself from going crazy. Okay. It is so awesome. Um, and um, another one I just ran across that's in our community is a book called, I'm going to get the title of this wrong, it's by Alex Harms. It's called The Little Guide to Empathetic Technical Leadership. And in it, Alex talks about, um, you know, like three or four times she talks about self-care. And how you have to take care of yourself as a technical leader because there are all these push-pull things happening all the time and um, it's really hard.
0: And so I want to just pause on that for a second because that's something that a lot of people aren't good at or don't know about or just ignore, mm-hmm. that to do any kind of anything at all, but I think especially in an environment where it can be somewhat emotionally taxing like coaching. Yeah. Um you you have to take steps every day to provide for yourself so that you can provide for others.
1: Yeah, Is you do. Is that
0: a fair way to say it?
1: Yeah, it's a great way to say it. It's a beautiful way to say it.
0: So that, I mean, that can include all different kinds of things, but people need to, if they're going to show up for others, they have to show up for themselves first, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so for some people, that might show up as... You know, just taking one minute like sixty seconds to breathe, you know, like even if you have to do it in the bathroom because that's the only place you feel like you can have a little bit of solitude
0: right. right,
1: so you know it's if if uh you know if if you're out there and you're running from meeting to meeting every single day, like you literally have six, seven, eight meetings on your calendar. You know, maybe maybe that is plenty to start with. You know, or I often tell people like, okay, you're going to walk from building A to building B for that meeting anyway. So along the walk, you can either be driving yourself crazy with all the stuff going on in your head, or you can say to yourself, let me just enjoy this walk. All that crazy stuff is going to be there five minutes from now.
0: So this is this is where I come into, I mean, I this is something I've been working on for years, and I still struggle with it all the time because... I'll think about, I mean, this just happened this morning. Like, I'm totally overwhelmed with all the number of things that I haven't done that I feel like I have mm-hmm. to do. And I know that if I don't take time for, you know, one of those activities, then I'm going to be not as good at what I need to do. But still, to to take that time seems selfish and unproductive. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big internal monologue that you have to
1: mm-hmm.
0: negotiate.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's some benefit you get from not doing that. And so that's the place to look. Like yeah. what's the benefit you get from not taking care of yourself?
0: It it perpetuates the cycle. That's what that's what the benefit is. I get to yeah. continue the angst wheel. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Well, I mean, which, there's something that's very seductive about that.
0: It is. It's got a lot of power to it. Yeah. It's like raw, sh- it's like refined sugar. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can I ask you, or can, would you be willing to share like one or two things that you do to, to, to kind of maintain that for yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I have a really frenetic pace when I'm on the road because I'm teaching all day long. And I can teach for sometimes like 10 days in a row. Okay. Um, and have the weekend off in a hotel somewhere away from my family between two different things. So. Um, so on the road, it's, it's much more difficult for me, but I have, um, a self-hypnosis, uh, audio that I listen to all the time that I love.
0: Okay. I just
1: love it. It's 25 minutes. It's only 25 minutes long and it's just so awesome. I come out of that feeling so refreshed. Now I am really susceptible to hypnosis so I don't know if this works for everyone else but that's a that's a useful thing.
0: Well you yep. could so you, they could substitute meditation or anything like
1: that. Oh totally. And I would yeah. say look um, look on YouTube for like if you have 5 minutes to meditate look for 5 minute meditation on YouTube and just play something. Because okay. there's tons of great stuff out there. Um, also iawake.com has a bunch of audios that are self meditation. So basically, you're listening to something that sounds like rain sounds, but what it's doing is it's actually putting your mind, putting your brain in the state that monks are in when they're meditating in Tibet.
0: That's awesome.
1: It's awesome stuff. It's great. Great stuff. So very psychoactive stuff and um, and very useful. So meditating those little bits of time is what I do on the road. And when I'm at home, I take care of my body. So I um, like today, I just did an hour of yoga. Wow had a nice leisurely lunch with my husband and then went into my afternoon. Okay. And so when I'm at home, i slot my, my exercise in first, my exercise and my husband time in first, and then everything else slots in after that.
0: That's awesome.
1: Now, you know, I was realizing today in yoga, God, so much is a metaphor for this work we do. It's just really amazing. Like, so here I was in this, in this, you know, asana and, um, And just feeling like, oh, I should be able to stretch further. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's (laughs) not actually the job at all. I mean, like, I just realized the job is to allow. Well, I think,
0: I mean, I would say becoming aware of that and letting it go is the job.
1: That's it. That's it. And it's such a metaphor for what we do because we're like – you know, I think sometimes, oh, if I just like push a little harder or say it a little di- more differently or bring more data or, you know, whatever, like all these persuasion tactics. I'm like, what if I just allow what's happening to happen? And I realized today, like a profound thing I haven't quite processed yet, but I realized today that my biggest fear in allowing is that I'm going to, you know, like open the muscles and the joints so much that my body's literally going to fall apart.
0: <laughs> you know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you and can't thinking, you can't let go because it's the tension that holds it together. <laughs>
1: that's right. And I was like, well, what would happen? You know. And so I think that that's so that's so true with uh, with like you know what we encounter in our work lives that we're we've got all this tension around you know you know stuff that has to be a certain way. And what happens if we just let that go? And what I'm loving about letting it go because I've been practicing this a lot in the last few years. What I what I'm loving about letting it go is that when I do, I find out I'm just fine. That my skill set has nothing to do with any of those circumstances and responding to it. My skill set is working with change and allowing change in and allowing it to happen again and again and again.
0: So that's a pretty profound thing, though, to get past the point where you think of what you're good at as your job and to, to understanding it at a much deeper level. And that's pretty awesome.
1: It is. There's also poetry, I would say, is a big um, thing for people okay. who like poetry. I would totally recommend David White, W-H-Y-T-E. Okay. And he has this amazing book. This book is actually not a poetry book, um, but it'll lead you to some of his poetry. Okay, you ready for this? This book is called The Heart Aroused. Get the subtitle. Poetry and the Preservation of the Soul in Corporate America. Wow. Yeah, baby. It's good stuff.
0: That's Novikowski.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to include links to these in the podcast. Cool. This is great. This is great stuff. And so the exercise is part of it. So you got the physical, the mental, and, and I guess feeding the creative sphere with the stuff that you're reading as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Keeping myself sane with the stuff I'm reading. Because some of it makes so much sense to me for the job we're actually doing. Yeah. Like, so let me read a part of a poem to you. Now this is this is something that's printed in the book Perseverance by Meg Wheatley, but it's actually um I think it's nineteen ninety-two. No, two thousand two actually. The elders of the Hopi Nation um wrote this poem basically as an open letter to the world. Are you ready? Yeah. It says, There is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel like they are being torn apart and they will will suffer greatly. Know the river has its destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off toward the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above the water. See who is there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. The time of the lonely wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we have been waiting for.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: So when I read something like this, I see that I, Agile Coaching Institute, Agile, all of us in the Agile community, all of us together, we are simply part of something much bigger happening on this planet.
0: Yeah. There's
1: no doubt in my mind that we are trying to, as human beings, evolve our consciousness to something that can handle much more complexity to be a match for the complexity of the world around us. Yeah, and that's freaking scary.
0: Is it? I, I guess I don't know. I don't think well, I always.
1: Not to me, but it's okay. scary to a lot of people. It's scary to those people who want to hold onto the shore and they yeah. do feel like they're being torn apart, but they don't. They don't believe they can let go, and so those of us who have let go and we are like you know cruising the rapids of this thing, it's our job to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I always look at it like whatever we're doing, wherever we're, you know, the Agile stuff or whatever, that's not, that's just a blip. And there's going to be something else, and our job is to prepare the people for the next thing, um, to get them ready to, you know, just push it down a little bit further so it can find the next place it has to go. Mm -hmm. But get it away from the waterfall where all the things started.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a good thing for, you know, like a mechanistic kind of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You know, and...
1: And we're in the time of organizations being living, you know, things. So,
0: yeah.
1: heck, you know, very little actually that's repeatable works there.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So you've got all these workshops coming up and yeah. and they can find them. I have the URL. So agilecoachinginstitute.com slash class dash schedule.
1: Oh cool. Okay, yes. If that's the URL, then that's the URL. I looked I'm it
0: up. I, I was getting. I told alert. you I was nervous. I got I got <laughs> URLs which I never have in front of me.
1: Oh, I you're, love you. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> Twitter so is Lisa Atkins, which I'm going to include a link to that. Yeah, um,
1: and you have to spell my crazy name. It's L Y S S A A D as in dog K I N S.
0: Cool. And and I want to ask you one more thing. Um yeah. For the coaches out there who are feeling frustrated and like no one's listening and burned out, um, do you have any kind of words, parting words of advice or encouragement for that?
1: Hmm. Let me sink into that for a second.
0: You can think about it because I can cut it out, the the space.
1: No, leave the space. There's okay. nothing wrong with space. on. Yeah, I want to ask the question: How can we keep going faster and faster when what we can see in front of us is shorter and shorter? Cool. Just really like consider that and consider your place in that.
0: Awesome, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I, and now that I'm looking at my list, I forgot to mention your book.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> so
1: hey, you know a crazy thing I just learned today actually. What? What? Um, so you know that book has been out for six – coming up on six years at the end of May.
0: So this is a great re- great time to buy it now. Coaching Agile Teams, a Companion for Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, and Project Managers in Transition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Six years old. That's pretty six cool. Six years
1: old. And what I found out today is that for the last three years, sales of the book have been increasing by about 16% each year, but, which is almost totally unheard of in the publishing business.
0: But don't you think that's because there is – a maturation and the mindfulness of the people who are doing what we're doing. There's, there's an increasing demand in that coaching mindset.
1: Yeah, probably, probably. And, um, you know, probably also because what's talked about in that book is not dependent on a technology or a process very much. I mean, a little bit of a, of the different frameworks of agile, but yeah, it's pretty cool. All
0: right. So I want to try something now before we, before we adjourn. So you have in the past thanked me for things. So I would like to thank you for, for your time and yeah. your openness and your honesty. And I would like to thank you for all the times in the past and all the times in the future when my interactions for you put me in a slightly discomforted space. Because I don't mean that. It's not a negative thing. I'm always looking forward to it and I'm excited about it. But, you know, I'm not super touchy-feely and, and I'm not super into being aware of my sensitivity. So – um thank you for that for kind of helping people like me through that because it is a big deal. Um, yeah. and I know the people who come to your sessions, there's a, a review of one of your workshops that a guy posted recently, which was really powerful and incredible. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to put a link to that and I'm also going to cool, put thanks. a link to the conversation with between you and Dan, cause that, Dan Greening, cause that was really fun to read.
1: Oh so, yeah, cool. <laughs> so,
0: uh, and thank you. So, so events coming up, is there anything in particular you've got going on that you want to mention before we go?
1: Um, let's see. I'm going to be at the Scrum Gathering in April, part of the closing keynote mashup, which is going to be fun. The five, ten-minute um, TED Talk-style uh, keynotes, mini keynotes. Um, I'm sure there's something I'm supposed to be saying here, but I'm just forgetting. I think
0: that's pretty profound. You've actually given people a reason to stay for the closing keynote.
1: yeah yeah oh it's gonna be awesome like the lineup is so cool i'm so jazzed about being involved with the other people who are doing this with me
0: cool all right so see you in orlando then yep all right yep see you there all right thanks a lot
1: take care